that's kind of some of the mystery of what Jesus is talking about here is apart from the Holy Spirit, we will never believe the words of God. We will always prefer our own inner voice right. and our own intuition or even the tides of our culture. It's only by the Holy Spirit that we pick up faith and trust in the words, the person, the work of Jesus. Welcome to Every Moment His, applying the gospel to every moment of life. Uh, This is Pastor John. And I'm Pastor Tim. And we'll be taking a look at the sermon that we preached this past Sunday, uh, seeing how Jesus is more present in his absence. Uh, So that's what we're doing today. We had a little bit of a complaint this past week. (laughs) That's right. um, That we did not really deliver a dad joke last yeah, week. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly expectations have r- been raised. Really high expectations, yeah. yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I, I get it. Yeah, I know. Everyone wants a good dad joke. It's true. So we never want to disappoint, right? No. So <laughs> we actually do have a couple that we'd like to share with you to, to just brighten your life. That's right. Yeah. And uh, can Should I go I? first? Yeah, go for it. You know, I actually got one from a former pastor here at Holy Cross, uh, pra- Pastor Rob Kiefner. And uh, this is a good one. It's a <laughs> knock-knock joke, so you got to help me. Okay. Knock-knock. Who's there? Pastor. Pastor who? Pastor bedtime. <laughs> Time to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to use that this week. I think, uh, I think my kids will like that for the first 300 times I use it or so, and they might get a little tired of it after that, but... Yeah, I don't know how well it will help them go back to bed. <laughs> I don't know either. Yeah. That's usually or the biggest concern. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so here, here is uh, is my dad joke. It's one of oh, my favorite ones. Oh, this is a good one. Ones. So it's, uh, uh, what do you call an alligator in a vest? I have to know. An Tell investigator. Me. An investigator. <laughs> wow. You know, nobody's dis- nobody is disappointed right now. No, that's a that's even a if wonderful this is joke. the first time to watch the podcast or listen to the podcast, rather. Everybody's mind is yeah, blown. This is why I came here. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that a question in our interview to be pastors here? Tell a dad joke. Dude, what's your favorite dad joke? <laughs> yeah, because that's a deciding factor. That's right. <laughs> Has the Lord called this man to ministry here? Yeah. How, do you have any any dad jokes on hand? Because if no, that's a good indicator if you have zero dad jokes. I mean, if you just go blank on that, yeah. it's like, I don't oh, know. man, you're... I don't know what to say about you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Time to get serious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're looking at this this theme of how is Jesus more present with us in his absence? Mm-hmm. And in particular, we're, we're looking at uh, the role of the Holy Spirit in making Jesus present. And I have to say, I, first of all, I love talking about the Holy Spirit. I do too. I think there's a lot of misconceptions I about agree. the Holy Spirit. And I think that there's a wonderful mystery to the third person of the Trinity, the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. And so I always find it's really worthwhile to, to just dive into what Jesus says and talk through it. So let, let's look at what Jesus says here. Uh, and this is from John chapter 14. Uh, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So 
intriguing words from Jesus about this other helper, this gift from mm-hmm. the Father. I hope that this will be a very spirit-filled podcast. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, so when we look at the Spirit present, His presence with us and how He makes Jesus present to us in Jesus' physical absence, you know, there's a few things we maybe should discuss. Uh, first of all, what are some misconceptions about the Holy Spirit? Well, I think there's quite a few, and... You know, it's interesting with misconceptions that sometimes they start out as a valid thought, a valid direction, but maybe they're overemphasized. And I would say one is that, you know, people will talk about wanting to have an experience with the Holy Spirit. Uh, We talk about this in terms of prayer. We talk about this in terms of worship, like, oh, wow, that worship song just makes me so filled with the Spirit. Mm -hmm. I just feel the Spirit's presence. Yeah. Um, the spirit moved the spirit moved i've even heard people say we have to use this worship song because it just makes the spirit move and and my concern there is that that we might have control over the spirit that Mm. we might be able to manipulate the spirit or conjure up the spirit through what we do or what we say or our emotions and Mm. a lot of that even sounds like pagan Baal worship a little bit if you look at the old testament where that story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal from, I think that's first, first Kings first Kings 18 yeah. or 19. <laughs> yeah. And you have Elijah who's super calm. He's just trusting God to, to be there in a powerful way. And then you have the prophets of Baal who are just like cutting themselves and, and flailing around and yeah, making lots of noise, crazy. just being crazy. Um, now, the valid truth here is that I think we can have a, an experience with the Holy Spirit. We can feel the Spirit mm-hmm. from time to time. We can sense his presence. I think that's a valid way. I think a lot of Lutherans would maybe choke on that idea, but I think that even as we read Luther or some of the other uh, Lutheran church fathers or mothers, there is this discussion. It's, it's a real thing. But we, to quote a, a wonderful classic rock song, the Holy Spirit is more than a feeling. <laughs> and I wish we could uh, have the, the Boston guitar solo right here right now. I can just hear it right now. Yes. That's such a catchy tune, too. It is good, yeah. More than a feeling. Oh, that guitar that comes in? <laughs> we need to stop or we're going to spend 20 minutes <laughs> talking about that. Car- is the turn into a karaoke podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so the, the Holy Spirit is, is not someone we can just manipulate or mm-hmm. drum up or there's a secret code that yeah. we're going to like kind of get the right code and that's really going to unlock the Spirit's mm-hmm. power. Like if you just get the right music and the right atmosphere. Right and people you, in the room. You just get, get your praise on, yeah. get your hands yeah, yeah. in the air, like the Spirit's just going to yeah. just show so, up. So good. I mean, I think that's a good place to start. We don't manipulate the Spirit. We don't control the Spirit uh, by our deeds and actions. Well, another misconception I hear, or I think it's in the air sometimes, is people think that the Holy Spirit is simply an energy force. Yeah. Um, and, and like God's force or something like that. Like the force be with you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I can feel the force. I'm using the force. Yeah. And once again, I think there is a valid truth here because in the Old Testament, the word for spirit is, it's that cool, I love to say the Hebrew word because it, it's got some good guttural to it. It's yeah. a ruach. Ruach, yeah. I mean, just, I love to say it. 
But uh, ruach is the, is the breath or the wind of God. And in the New Testament, it's pneuma, uh, pneumatas, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where, I believe that's where we get pneumatic tools. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Like air-powered. Air-powered yeah. tu- tools, and it means a, a, a wind. Mm-hmm. And so it is this very much this, this force, this active energy of God creative energy, creative power. We see that at the beginning of creation in Genesis chapter one. We see the spirit rushing in and, and, and giving the judges uh, the power to do mighty deeds. Yeah. We talk about the spirit in Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost as a mighty rushing wind. We talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's all of these things, but not just these things. Yeah, so that doesn't quite go far enough. And this is actually a really great place in scripture to point to mm-hmm. because Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit like a person. Like a person. Yeah. Like he says him, mm-hmm. right? He uses masculine programs. Yeah. A pronouns. counselor. That's right. A comforter. Very much a person. So the Holy Spirit is kind of the force of God, but is also a person. Is it, is it's, he is his own being Mm-hmm. He is God. He is one of the triune members of the Trinity. Yeah. And so there's something really fascinating about that. Like the Father is the creator, the, the Son is the redeemer, and then the Spirit is this third person of the Trinity, and he is active too. He makes it all happen. Ways. Right, right. Yeah. right. Okay, good. So another misconception I think we hear, and I think this has been popularized a little bit uh, because of is charismatic language. And again, not all of charismatic Christians are, are, are bad or wrong, but sometimes charismatic Christians can treat the spirit kind of like a magic eight ball. Yeah. Or, you know, they'll say, the spirit told me to, you know, make an investment in this thing. I mean, that's a little flippant, but the spirit led me to do X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, <laughs> I always laugh about this, a really good way to do something and where people can't argue with you is if you just say, the Holy Spirit told me. Yeah, it's like a, <laughs> a trump card, right? Yeah, it's like, how are you going to argue with that? Or confirm with that. it. Yeah. yeah. Or like, it gets kind of creepy too, where it's like, you know what? The Holy Spirit revealed to me that, that we should get married. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then the other person's like, yeah, he didn't reveal that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What the, I think we're praying to the same God, right? <laughs> yeah, right. But, you know. Um, so what are some guidelines maybe we can use to, to avoid that particular pitfall? Because sometimes the spirit does lead us. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how can we help make that distinction in our lives? Well, I think it goes back to the scripture where we often go wrong on this. And we always get in trouble when we quote scripture out of context. You have to look at the context, the, the other verses, the chapter, the book, the genre, even the Testament. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, Romans chapter 8, those who are sons or daughters of God are led by the Spirit. And so automatically we think, like, I need guidance in my life. The Spirit's going to show me how to get my stimulus check, you know, because I can't get it right now. (laughs) Or it's going to show me where to go to college or who to marry or what job to take. And that's not really what the context is talking about. it's talking about putting to death the deeds mm. of the body. Uh, not that all the deeds of the body are bad, but meaning those things that are just selfish and, and that are of the flesh or the sinful nature. And then uh, focusing on living our lives for the deeds of the spirit. 
Right. And so it's very much this putting to death the old person and uh, raising to life the new person. So for example, let's say that you, you know, are out having a drink with a friend and, you know, the responsible thing is, you know, to have a beer or two and go home. Uh, but your flesh says, I want to have two more right. and not go home. You know, it's an impulse that's leading you to do something that's not going to be God honoring. And so the spirit is going to lead you in that moment. What's he going to lead you to do? Right. He's going to lead you to temperance. He's going to lead you to self-control, a responsible use of God's gifts to put the one option to death and to take the other spirit-led option. Or let's say you're, you're in a disagreement with somebody and you just really want to say something hurtful. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the Holy Spirit. What's he going to lead you to do? Is he going to lead you to lash out with hurtful words that you're going to regret? Or is he going to lead you to take a breath and count to 10 and pray through it, maybe take a breather and say words of life? Those are just a couple of yeah. examples. So I, I think, you know, rather than the Holy Spirit being like this this person who brings us on this like supernatural thrill ride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We might, you know, it's it's a little bit more mundane and down exactly. to earth mm-hmm. and has to do with conforming us to Christ. Yeah. Or bringing us closer into fellowship with Jesus. So one way I like to think about it is you know, the Holy Spirit is never going to say, tell you something that disagrees with the scriptures, Yep. that disagrees with the words of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we confess in the Nicene Creed that the, the Holy Spirit spoke by the prophets. And so if we're wondering, is this the Spirit leading me or is this kind of my imagination, you know, running wild? One question is, is this in line with the scriptures? Is this in line with the person of Jesus Christ, because the spirit of Jesus Christ, who he is given to us by the Father, he's not going to do something that contradicts what Jesus has said and done. This goes back to a Luther quote from the Small Called Articles, which is part of the uh, Lutheran Book of Confessions. It's it's the the, the book that all Lutheran pastors subscribe to uh, as a faithful exposition of the Bible. But And I think this Luther quote gets misused sometimes. The main point I think is true is he says, anything that claims to be the Holy Spirit that is not the word and the sacraments Mm -hmm. is of the devil. Yeah. (laughs) And and so what he's saying is, because during Luther's time, he called these the the shwarmer. These were the the fanatics who just were saying, I had a dream, I had a vision, uh, God told me. And a lot of it had to do with like the peasant uprising and, and right. just kind of throwing off all authority. and As if God had told the peasants to rise up and overthrow And kill land. each other. And kill yeah. each other, right. right. <laughs> so, and so, so Luther was experiencing people who were doing all kinds of crazy stuff, running in, in this direction and that direction because the Spirit told them. And Luther said, hold up, the Spirit's never going to contradict the Bible. Yeah, like you're, the Spirit's going to press you deeper into Scripture and deeper into Jesus. And so we don't want to go looking for the Spirit where He hasn't promised to be. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I think in that same article, uh, Luther says, you know, from the beginning, this has been the problem. The problem is people thinking they can know God apart from what He has explicitly said. 
Yeah. Right? So he, he points back to Adam and Eve and Satan tempting Adam and Eve to ignore God's word, to say, oh, he certainly didn't say that. Yeah. Right? Did he, and so he misquotes God. Did he really say you can't eat from any of these trees? Of course not. That's not what he said. But and then he says he contradicts God and asks Eve and Adam to believe something that God has not said. And so the spirit of Satan or the Antichrist, the spirit that is against God, twists God's word and brings us away from God's word or makes us think we understand God's word or even if it contradicts what God has actually said. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Holy Spirit confronts us with the truth, like Jesus says, this is the spirit of truth, and says you should open your heart and your mind, your eyes to this truth and believe it. That's kind of some of the mystery of what Jesus is talking about here is apart from the Holy Spirit, we will never believe the words of God. We will always prefer our own inner voice right. and our own intuition or even the tides of our culture. It's only by the Holy Spirit that we pick up faith and trust in the words, the person, the work of Jesus. And that's really what his role is. Makes me think of what... Napoleon Dynamite says to Pedro in that wonderful movie, Napoleon Dynamite, yeah. follow your heart. <laughs> That's what I always do. And not great advice, right? Yeah, um, right? Because the scriptures say that the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? That's right. And, and so we don't want to follow the heart. We want to follow the Spirit's leading. And the Spirit's leading will always be in conformity to scripture and, and Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, thanks Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, thanks Napoleon <laughs> Dynamite. You know, I could quote that entire movie, I think, <laughs> because it's just so amazing. But um, let's talk a little bit now about what the Spirit does and how we get the Spirit. Let's talk first about what the Spirit does. I'll get that ball rolling. I just go to the Catechism, which is a summary of Scripture. You know, Luther, as he comments on the Apostles Creed, the third article about the Holy Spirit, he doesn't so much explain who the Holy Spirit is, but what he does, he says, uh, I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, he sanctifies me, he keeps me in the true faith. And so the Holy Spirit is the one bringing me to Jesus, giving me all the benefits of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, conforming me to the image of Jesus. And not just me, but the whole church, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, believing as we should from the scriptures that our hearts are turned away from God naturally. Mm -hmm. So if you you gave me a thousand years, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, I would never believe in Jesus. Yeah, I would always find the loophole out. Right. Yeah. Because my heart, it's just incapable. I'm bound mm-hmm. to my sin. My, the pro, you know, Luther said the problem of sin lies in our wills. Our wills are corrupted. They're conformed to sin rather than conformed to God. And so I will never choose God on my own. But instead, there has to be an intervention, an attack, right. actually. A new heart. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit revives us, you know, like CPR, and brings us to the life that is in Jesus. And then, yeah, and then he creates a church, too, of all those individual believers who have been given a new heart, who have been regenerated um, by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And then we have this community called the church. And every church uh, that preaches God's word faithfully, that church is a visible manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. It is a visible evidence of the Holy Spirit. So our congregation, Holy Cross, and and the people who worship with us, this is the Spirit's work. This is what the Spirit's done because we would never, never gather around Christ and his gifts if it were left up to us. We'd do all kinds of other things, but not. And maybe those things might be religious because religion is just an incurably human instinct, but, but it wouldn't be Christianity. Right. So, yeah, the Holy Spirit, you know, does this for us, grabs us, brings us to Christ, enlightens me with his gifts, right? Mm-hmm. But also does this for the whole Christian church. Yeah. And I, I do like the creed, you know, as soon as we start talking about the creed, we're talk- in, in the third article, as soon as we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the church, right? I believe yep. in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body. So, yeah, G- uh, the Holy Spirit not only brings individuals to Jesus, but forms the community community of Jesus mm-hmm. uh, by calling us to a common Lord. So all of this leads to another question, which I think is a valid one, is if the Holy Spirit is absolutely necessary. Like you need the Holy Spirit to be a Christian. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a Christian. And if you don't get the Holy Spirit by kind of conjuring up God and trying to get him to come down to you through your own efforts, how in the world do you get the Holy Spirit? Yeah, so I think we need to be really clear about this, right? We point to the work of the Spirit comes through the Word of God. Yeah. Right. The Word of God is where the Spirit works, uh, and when we say the Word, it will also include the sacraments. So, the preached Word, uh, the written Word, and Scriptures as well, but the wet Word, baptism, mm-hmm. the edible Word, Holy Communion. Right. These things impart the Spirit where and when the Spirit wishes. So, I think about what Jesus says in John chapter three. You know, you must be born of water and the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And Nicodemus is confused by this. But one of the things that Jesus clarifies is you see the wind blowing. You don't, you don't see the, the wind, but you see the effects of the wind. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. He, he moves as he wishes in the context of water and word, right? So we know where the Spirit works. Mm, mm-hmm. We don't always know when he works, that's such a good point because I had a period in my life when I first became a Christian when this was high school. And high school is a pretty tumultuous, emotional yeah. time. But I just remember that the church I was going to, it was a non-denominational kind of charismatic church. And, and really what was communicated either directly or indirectly was that you have the spirit in so much as you feel and experience him. And mm-hmm. so... I remember going to praise and worship gatherings and just, I'm not a super emotional person anyways, like outwardly emotional. I don't just like, I'm pretty introverted. And so everyone around me is like crying and like having their hands raised and, mm-hmm. and then there's me. <laughs> yeah. And I'm wondering, do I not have the Holy Spirit? I right. mean, like, what's the deal? How come I'm not getting pumped for Jesus yeah. on fire 24-7? And... 
you know, as I came into the Lutheran Church, I tapped into this larger tradition of Christianity, which I think is present in other branches of, of the Christian Church, too, that is word and sacrament. That God has not made me guess where he will give himself to me, but he has located himself in a pulpit, a guy who's going to preach to me, in a book, in a Bible I can read and listen to and discuss with others, in a font where I was baptized, and on an altar Mm -hmm. where he gives Christ's body and blood for me. Those are sure and certain things that no matter what I'm feeling or no matter how up or down life is, they're always available to me. Yeah. I, I had a similar experience in, in uh, university, just hanging out with some uh, charismatic uh, characters. <laughs> I actually roomed with a guy who was highly charismatic. And one of the things he kept pressing for me to do is to speak in tongues. You know, that's kind of a whole nother conversation. That's a whole different conversation. A little too. bit. Yeah, a little but, bit. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, we could spend a lot of time on it. But uh, Yeah, we could. We should, actually. But, <laughs> you know, he wasn't talking about speaking French, you know, or speaking Spanish. He was talking about kind of speaking in these angel languages, right, that he would kind of speak. And uh, he, was, he was kind of suggesting that I actually wasn't a Christian, Mm. until I was able to manifest these kind of miraculous spiritual gifts. Yeah. And I think the harm there is actually, you know, St. Peter promises, you know, if uh, everyone should repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So the, the promise of the Spirit comes through the waters of baptism where God has placed His Spirit for our good. So that's where we should bank on our assurance. Do I have the Holy Spirit? Well, are you baptized, right? This is where God promises it. And when you think about the litmus test for genuine Christianity in the New Testament, it's never if you have the spiritual gift or not. In fact, Paul implies that not all speak in tongues. Those who had the Spirit and were involved in visible manifestations of the Spirit, healing in tongues and whatnot, in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians in particular, those folks, Paul kind of throws them under the bus because yeah. Paul says that they're using their spiritual gifts to judge other people. And the true litmus test for genuine Christian faith, I think, is love in the New Testament mm-hmm. because John says, well, what did Jesus just say? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. Uh, First John, the one who's born of God loves his brother or sister. And then uh, in First Corinthians 13, if I have not love, I'm nothing. I right. have nothing. So if I have all the spiritual gifts, if I speak in the tongues of angels, if I you know, am martyred for the faith, all these yep. things, but I don't have love, I'm like a clanging cymbal, he says. And you know, the thing about love is it's pretty mundane. That's right. <laughs> it's every day. It's every day, man. You're changing diapers. You're dealing with just normal, everyday, just work issues. You're dealing with, with taking the trash out. Right. And paying bills and just all that stuff is the spirit at work. Um, so let's talk just a little bit about practical everyday life. You know, if, if the Holy Spirit is uh, truly a, the pers- third person of, of God who brings us into conformity and in obedience, in love with Jesus uh, to serve our neighbor and to keep his commandments, um, how do we become aware of that on a daily basis? How do we incorporate that into our faith in our our life? Well, we talk a lot in our culture right now about being mindful or centered, and some of that comes from Eastern spirituality. 
and some of it comes because we're all just stressed to the max, mm -hmm. you know, and we need some some clarity. But I think that we have that in the Holy Spirit is this, you know, being centered and realizing that the presence of God is always at work in my life, not just when I'm at church, not just when I'm singing a worship song, not just when I'm praying, but in every moment, even the really difficult moments that we would call weakness or failure or even just boring, the Holy Spirit is at work in all those moments. Yeah, so I think for one like little practice point, you know, for, for us who are listening, when, when we are just living our everyday life, I think the flesh or our, our nature apart from Jesus, apart from God's intervention, wants to think you're on your own, right? And there's no, uh, there's no, um, there's no God, you know, and we kind of, uh, we kind of fall into that trap. We think in a compartmentalized way, oh, God's not watching me right now or, or um, I'm on my own for, for now. I've got some kind of corner of my life that God doesn't show up in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, it, and, and my favorite image for this is, you know, the three-year-old who goes to play hide-and-seek, and when they close their eyes, they think you disappear and that right, they're hiding, yeah. right? And it's like, no, that's not true. And, and the truth is that the Holy Spirit, you can stop in your day at any moment and become mindful of the presence of the Holy Spirit, who gives you faith, right? Who reminds you of the work of, of Jesus in your life, who reminds you of forgiveness, who, pro who maybe gives you the option to not turn towards your coworker with a snappy comeback or a vengeance mindset, but rather a mindset of love and forgiveness as, as God has treated you this way. A couple other practice points is, one is just to remember that the Holy Spirit will never lead you astray from Christ in the Scripture. Uh, and so just to encourage folks listening to not, you know, be lost on that whole chase of trying to find out what is God's will for my life. Mm -hmm. God's will for your life is that you would know Him, that you would glorify Him, that you would believe in Jesus' His Son and have life in His name and that you'd become more like Jesus. And it doesn't mean that he's going to tell you where to go to college or where to work or who to marry or who to not marry, you know, yeah. or if you get married. And, uh, I mean, sometimes Christians cause their s themselves a lot of grief and despair because we're trying to look for the Spirit's leading where he hasn't promised to lead. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, the Spirit is not maybe governing every single minute detail. Right. but rather conforming you to the will of God and delivering you over yeah. to eternal life. And that's not to say that, that God might, in some circumstances, give somebody leading or guidance. Mm -hmm. But it's not promised to us that, yeah. that I would have absolute clarity on every decision in my life. God yeah. has given us this gift of wisdom and the counsel of others, etc. Um, and and he's, he's given us the scriptures. So, yeah. you know, the Holy Spirit, like say you're searching for a spouse. That's a mm -hmm. good example. It's like, you shouldn't uh, close your eyes and walk around outside, you know, and just until you get, get a sensation, right? Yeah. But, but rather, you know, which one of these people you're considering uh, loves the Lord, you know, has a yeah. heart for, for Jesus and is strong in their faith. I mean, that's what you should be looking for, a person yeah. that 
high character and a love of God rather than maybe a pretty face or who you feel at the time. So it, it's kind of a delivery of divine wisdom, which is knowing the scriptures and actually following them. And to quote Napoleon Dynamite again. <laughs> Please do. I will. <laughs> La Fonda is my soulmate. I almost spit my coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for good reason. <laughs> you know, you know, we, we get into these ideas that there's one person out there. Right. And, and then, you know, the truth is that there's probably, you know, if God has, has given you the gift of marriage and not given you the gift of singleness, which both are for his glory, the truth is that there's probably a whole lot of people that you can marry. Yeah. It's not like there's just one person. And my wife and I even talk about that, you know. I'm glad that she's the one mm-hmm. that I married, but that doesn't mean that there's like only one person. Yeah, this is ro- every romantic comedy. Right. You know, so <laughs> we're going to get in trouble. Yeah, I so, know. You're, you're breaking down my Disney mindset ah, here, John. <laughs> stop it. And then finally, one more thing is to keep in touch with the means of grace. And obviously right now, at this particular moment, we're not taking the Lord's Supper as a congregation. That's not our normal default deal. We're longing for it. I hope that people are longing for it, experiencing an absence of it and wanting it. But, but we receive the Holy Spirit normally through the word and those sacraments. Yeah. But even in the absence of one of the sacraments, we have the whole Christ and all the Spirit. Uh, even if a Christian were separated from her Bible, say you were thrown into prison and you didn't have a Bible, you'd still have the whole Christ with you because mm-hmm. he brings to remembrance the things That's right. that have been taught to us by our Lord. Um, I think we're about out of time, but you want to give us a little teaser for next week? Sure, yeah. So we are uh, looking at the Ascension, and um, I think the Ascension, it kind of plays back fiddle to the resurrection often yeah. and even Pentecost. It's kind of right in between, but the Ascension is so critical and i i wish we made a bigger deal about it i think uh man it's such a glorious event in the life of jesus Mm -hmm. and we should we should be uh celebrating it as well you know as as the true glory that it is you know the son of man enthroned in heaven with shouts of all the the angels and the heavenly hosts Mm -hmm. i mean it's a big deal in jesus's life so that's what we're going to look at uh, next week. And I'm assuming that's going to pull in some language of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to some degree. Mm-hmm. And then because when he ascends, he sends the Spirit. And then guess what comes right after ascension? Yep. It's Pentecost. Pentecost. Yeah. We need some pyrotechnics or something on Pentecost. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good idea. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> Actually, I, I used to, uh, ha- we had sparklers one year uh, in Thunder Bay. That's a good deal. Kids liked it. All right. Well, thanks for, for coming along. We'll be back again with another uh, episode of Every Moment His, applying the gospel to everyday life. And God be with you. The Holy Spirit is, is with you as you go throughout your week.